بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد رسول الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا ٹوینٹی highlighting some of the incredible virtues of serving one's parents. And I mentioned two elite souls, Sayyidina Uthman and Sayyidina Haditha ibn Nu'man, Consider also the following two holy verses. The first, in Surah Al-Ma'arij, Surah 70, verse 11 to 13, the Almighty and Glorious, He says, Audhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem, يَوَدُّ الْمُجْرِمُ لَوْ يَفْتَدِي مِنْ عَذَابِ يَوْمِعِذٍ بِبَنِيهِ وَصَاحِبَتِهِ وَأَخِيهِ وَفَصِيلَةِ حِلَّتِي تُؤْوِيهِ The criminal will wish he could ransom himself from the torment of that day even by sacrificing his children, his wife, his brother and his close kin who sheltered him. So this is the first passage. In the second sacred passage, in Surah Abasa, Surah 80, verse 34 to 6, the Almighty and Glorious, He says, يَوْمَ يَفِرُّ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ وَأُمِّهِ وَأَبِيهِ وَصَاحِبَتِهِ وَبَنِيهِ On that day, a man shall flee from his own brother, his mother, his father, his wife and his children. So what is the secret here? <coughs> Note that there is a huge, subtle, hidden message in the difference of both these holy passages. In the first sacred passages, the criminal will offer to sacrifice all his family. But notice, There is no mention of sacrificing one's mother or father. So let's go back to that verse. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? The criminal will wish he could ransom himself from the torment of that day. يَوْمَ إِذِمْ بِبَنِي وَصَاحِبَتِهِ وَأَخِي وَفَسِيلَةِ هِلَّتِي بُتُوِي By sacrificing his children, his wife, his brother, his close family who sheltered him. Does it mention the mother and father? <laughs> Why? For the criminal knows that by transgressing the rights of his parents even on the awesome day of judgment, the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would intensify. Thus he makes no mention of it. <laughs> Subhanallah. But in the second holy passage, he will flee from them. Why? For fear he would not have fulfilled their rights. Look at the second passage. On that day a man shall flee from his brother, his mother, his father, his wife and his children. Now they are mentioned. So why are you fleeing? Because I haven't fulfilled their rights. But yet, when Allah says, you will ransom everything. So you could escape the torment on the day of judgment. No mention is mentioned of mother and father. So note the Qur'an. People are just neglecting the Qur'an. Allah Ta'ala is telling you something. If you read the verses critically, why are the parents not mentioned? 
And the response is, even on the day of judgment, think about that. You're going to be naked, you know, it's going to be an awesome day, a day that's going to be petrifying. Even in that, you know, horrific state, you still would not want to sacrifice your parents. Why? Because the pennies dropped, but if pennies dropped too late, it's not going to benefit you now. So now, here on the earth, what does that tell you? The lesson there is, if you're going to do that on the day of judgment, what was wrong with you in this world? Indeed, one can never truly repay one's parents. So there's a report. So this narration is recorded in Qurtubi in his Tafsir, volume 10, page 246, Ma'arif quran volume 5, page 485-7 of the English translation. Sayyidina Jabir ibn Abdullah radiyallahu anhu he said A man once came to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and complained that his father was taking away everything that belonged to him So picture the scene a man's complaint to the prophet what has he complained about he's complained my father has taken me to the cleaners The prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said ask your father to come here When the son left Jibreel descended and he said when his father arrives ask him about the words he composed in his heart which his own ears have not even heard so what happened the, the son leaves and the father he's now doing some poetry in his heart when the son arrives but he's not uttered it to anybody and his own ears haven't even heard it but Jibreel's informed the Prophet. <laughs> what does that tell you about Allah's knowledge? <laughs> when the man returned with his father, the Prophet said, Why does your son complain against you? Do you wish to take away what belongs to him? <laughs> the father replied, You'd better ask my son, on whom do I spend other than his paternal or maternal aunts or myself? <laughs> So what's happened? The Prophet first makes investigations. He goes, why does your son want to take, uh, why are you taking your son, like you said, to the cleaners? The father said, I'm not spending his wealth on myself. I'm spending his wealth on his maternal and paternal aunts. Now what's interesting about that? The paternal aunt is his sister. Maternal aunt, what's she going to do with the father? So he's thinking about the son, his relationship. He's not spending on his aunts. Rasulullah said a word in Arabic. He goes, E, E. This is an expression in Arabic meaning nothing more needs to be asked. Meaning finish. Then he asked the father, Now inform me those words that have not even been heard by your own ears. The father was in shock. He goes, Ya Rasulullah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increases our iman in you through everything. In other words, did Allah ta'ala has informed you of this? The man thereupon went on to mention poetry which he had composed within his own heart. So he goes, I will tell you, this is what I was reciting to myself in my heart. So obviously this is the English. I fed you in childhood and took care of you when you were young. You lived on my earnings alone. When on some night you became sick, I spent the whole night awake 
and restless due to your sickness as if your sickness was my own and not yours due to which my eyes kept shedding tears throughout the night my heart kept trembling lest something happens to you though i knew that my death is fixed being neither early nor late now that you have reached the age of maturity that i had always been looking forward to then you made stone heartedness and harshness my return as if you were the one favoring and rewarding me alas if it was not possible for you to fulfill my rights as a father you could have at least done what a good neighbor would do after hearing these verses of poetry rasulullah held the sun by his shirt and said anta wa malaka li abik go you and your wealth belongs to your father <laughs> subhanallah so let's look at this so what's interesting about the parents we don't know what's in their hearts so outwardly you would have been none the wiser all you would have got is that the father has said i'm spending his wealth and his aunt but that's just the tip of the iceberg what actually happened he hurt his father this is a major crime in the sight of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the father does not need to articulate he hurt his father and the father look out touching he's remembering his childhood in other words he goes you lived of me you were completely dependent upon me when you was ill i felt i was ill lest something should happen to you and then he says now i was looking forward to when you reach maturity you've returned the kindness by harshness and he goes if you couldn't even fulfill the lies as a as a son you could have at least done what a good neighbor does a good neighbor looks after the neighbor and look what the prophet sallallahu said he grabbed the son he goes anta wa malaka li abik go you and your wealth belongs to your father mm. note how the almighty and glorious subhanahu wa ta'ala even took into account what was just circulating in the heart of the father <clears throat> thus how grave would the matter have been if he had uttered them? subhanallah a mighty sign for any that care to reflect think about that allah ta'ala couldn't tolerate it he sent jibreel immediately imagine he goes ask him what he said in his heart and then the prophet asked him and look how interesting it increased that father's iman because every time we're with you our iman strengthens ya rasulullah in other words only i was saying this to myself not even my ears heard this and then he told him and then the prophet said allah told the son your wealth belongs to your father so now what about a person who actually causes the father to utter something which you know that you've hurt him this is far greater in in crime in the sight of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there is no minor sin against the parents this is what the scholars say you can't ever say no that was a small thing if there is no minor sin against the neighbors do you honestly believe there's going to be a minor sin against your parents think about that people even say this oh no no yeah he's a little bit upset but you'll get over it and you say oh you've committed a major crime congratulations and he goes no it's only a small thing it doesn't matter was this a small thing it was in his heart you could argue this is you know how did the sun know but allah took him to account 
But at the same time, we learn a mighty lesson from this. Another important point. If the father is taking wealth unnecessarily, then he cannot take the wealth of his child. There's a report mentioning that. If there's a genuine need, then he can take. But the scholars do point out the son or daughter should still not get involved. If the father wants it, let him take it, even if he doesn't need it. But in the Shariat, if there is no Shariat reason for him, then he cannot take it. This is the this is the hukum. In fact, Abu Bakr Siddiq mentioned that to one of the sons. Because your father can only take if there's a need. Meaning he needs it, you know, he needs it for himself. There's a, there's a requirement for this. Indeed, our beloved messenger, what did he say? Among sins are such that cannot be expiated except by the woody about earning a livelihood. Among sins are such that cannot be expiated except by the woody about earning a livelihood. This is in Tabarani, it is Ausat Abu Nu'im al-Hilya Khatib, Imam Ghazali in his Ihya volume 2, page 60 in the chapter on the etiquette of earning a livelihood. So how is that linked? What did the father say in verse? He said, I fed you in childhood, took care of you, you lived on my earnings alone. So if your sins are forgiven because of you worried about earning a livelihood, what is the maqam of that person? And what then is the status of the father who's earning to keep his family? Allah has a very special maqam given to the parents. Those what then of one's father who works so hard to provide for this? Then our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Verily Allah the Most High loves a working believer. Verily Allah the Most High, Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, loves a working believer. This is in Tabarani. Ibn Adi, Imam Ghazali in his Ihya volume 2, page 104, in the chapter on the etiquette of earning of livelihood. Those, what of those unfortunates who break the heart of such a beloved of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <coughs> think about that. We know how hard most of our fathers work. They did really hard work, manual labor. What did the Prophet say? Allah Ta'ala loves the working believer. Doesn't that apply to the, our fathers? Doesn't their sin don't aren't their sins forgiven because of their woody of earning a livelihood. They travel from one country to another to earn a livelihood. And that is just a person earning a livelihood. We're not talking about your father. <coughs> but your father is entitled to this. And that's leaving aside his maqam as a father. And you've upset him. Think about that, how great a crime that is. On the same theme, our beloved messenger also conversely said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he who opens the door to begging, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens for him 70 doors of poverty. He who opens the door to begging, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens for him 70 doors to poverty. This is in Abu Dawood number 1645, Tirmidhi number 2332, Ibn Majah number 4228, Ahmad in his Musnad 4-231, Mishkat number 5287, Imam Ghazali in his Ihya, volume 2, page 105, in the chapter on the etiquette of earning a livelihood. So what's interesting, if you look at the, those who beg, they actually think they're smart. They're not smart in the least. Allah will keep them poor. And what's interesting, they get a habit for begging. They call it adat. 
people don't need to beg and they're still begging. Why is that? That's poverty. <laughs> he who opens the door to begging, Allah Ta'ala opens for him 70 doors to poverty. <laughs> However, this, the earning of living, should never be to the detriment of our children's education. Why? <laughs> because our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, no one will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a sin greater than the sin of keeping his kin ignorant. Astaghfirullah. No one will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a sin greater than the sin of keeping his kin ignorant. This is in Deilami in his Musnad al-Firdos, Imam Ghazali in his Ihya volume 2, page 61, in the chapter on the etiquette of earning a livelihood. I think about that. This is a major sin. So what is the major sin the Prophet is highlighting that you keep your kin ignorant. What has caused you to make your children ignorant? Boosting your chops. <laughs> I ain't got time. You're going to meet Allah Ta'ala with a, no sin greater than that sin. Think about that. So what does that mean? It means yes, you earn a living. But that should never, ever be to the detriment of your children's deen. You know how many times you get so-called pious people, children of the head. But really, who's to blame? You know, think about it. The father's in a cook pope that, you know, heavenly defense. Well, I tried. Did you try? You were working seven days a week. Right? Did you try? And there you go. So no, that balance. You know, people just tilt it one way. Because work is worship, work is... Well, your kids, what about your kids? Oh no, I put them in madrasa. You don't put them in madrasa, that's a crash. You know, just be honest. You know, you need two hours of, you know, peace. Choke them in madrasa. If you were that interested, have you ever asked them what they're learning? Not even interested. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, mashallah. Yeah, I'll pick him up. Drop him off, pick him up. So what does that mean? You're going to meet Allah the Almighty with no sin greater than the sin of keeping your skin ignorant. It is so sad to see that a working parent, now think about this, because I haven't got time. So throw this back in their face. You haven't got time. Okay. You got time to go to the gym. Then he goes, yeah, you know, yeah. You got time to take the dog for a walk. Yeah, you're like, yeah. You have time to socialize with your friends. Shall I continue? Bakwas, right? You need to come out with bakwas. I ain't got time. You got time to do everything except educate your kids. Whilst all the while making absolutely no time to spend with his family. To Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our complaint. Think about that. We love kids. Like one of the scholars said, he goes, he goes, because we got a license for everything. Except parents. What he meant by that was, if you want to drive, you can't just drive. You've got to pass the test. You need to get a license. You need a license for this, a license for that. Somebody goes, why couldn't we have a license before you was a parent? Meaning, you don't even know how to be a parent. Kids are wild, causing havoc. But really, it's the parents. Alas, we are now living in the end times in which our beloved messenger said, A woman will one day be taken and have her abdomen cut open. 
then what is inside her womb will be taken and discarded out of fear of having children. This is in Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al Musannaf number 37,297 or 7-469 with a Sahih chain of transmission. Imagine the Sahabi hearing this. What did the Prophet just say? <laughs> a time is coming where a woman will, with her, you know, will cut her abdomen, take out her womb for fear of having children. <laughs> Subhanallah, another endless sign of Nabuwat. For the time has arrived when removing the fetus from the mother can now be done without much risk, which would have been extremely dangerous in the past. That's why it's becoming common. The reason for this would be the unhinged pursuit of sexual gratification without liability. How bad is this? In Bazar, Tafsir Mazhari, Ma'arif al-Qur'an, volume 5, page 494 of the English translation, Sayyidina Burayda, Radiyar Lanku, relates that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the heavens and the earth, the seven of them each, curse the married man or person who commits adultery. Indeed, the strong stench which spreads out from the private parts of such people will embarrass even the people condemned to hell. Thus therein they will be suffering from the punishment of the fire and disgrace both. Astaghfirullah. So let's look at this. The adulterers. Common. It's common now. Somebody goes, how bad a, a sin is that in this Islam? All the seven heavens and earth are cursing you. All the seven heavens and earth. And even the people of hell who are getting roasted they are tormented by the stench coming from your private parts in hell. In other words, you know, isn't the fire enough? Ya Allah, what's this? You are now causing pain to the people of hell. So everything is cursing that person. Indeed, if even if one loses an unborn child within marriage, there is no loss. Why? Because our beloved messenger said, I saw a man from my ummah whose scale was light but it became heavy due to the family members he lost and this made his scale extremely heavy. <laughs> this is in Hakim al-Tirmadi in his Nawadir al-Usul 3-236 Ibn Asakir in his Tariq Dimishq 34-406 Umdatul Qari 11-181 Majmu al-Fatawa 10-121 Hafiz Abu Musa al-Madaini in his Tarheeb 1-235 So think about it. You're married. You're What's happening? Maybe you have your wife's having miscarriages. Maybe your children don't live long enough. They die young. So what do people ignorantly think and even say with their mouths? This woman's cursed. <laughs> and then you go, she's married. You see, what's that going to do with it? He goes, she can't have kids. Then he goes, so because she doesn't have children who grow up, she's cursed. Yeah. Show me where it says she's cursed. And they have no idea. He goes, they're not cursed, they're blessed. And then he goes, how are they blessed? Because the Prophet said it. One blessing for that man and woman. Hey, think about this. What's one of the greatest fears we have? Our scales. Somebody goes, your scales are light. Oh my God. Wouldn't you throw, ask, beg Allah for anything? Please make my scales heavy. Guess what has happened? Because you've lost a family member mm -hmm. and your scales have become heavier. Mm -hmm. 
So you don't lose out whether they grow or they die. The key is through marriage. Allah never deprives. This one woman came to the Prophet and she goes, Ya Rasulullah, I've lost 10 children. In other words, they died young. And the Prophet said, you have a large share in paradise. <laughs> in other words, he was thinking, why have you come to me? You know, we, there's not a problem here. because You've got a large share, not a small share. You've got a large share in paradise. The Barani. <coughs> Notice the Prophet didn't start asking other questions. How's your salat? <laughs> you know, you could be your neighbors. What's your sadaqah like? You do a lot of zikr. Why? Because it's such a heavy thing. By itself, it will take you to paradise. In fact, a man came to the Prophet and the Prophet asked, he goes, tell me who the one who's childless. Inform me of the one who's childless. So the Sahaba goes, the one who hasn't got kids, Ya Rasulullah. <laughs> so the Prophet said, no, he's not childless. The truly childless one is the one who has children. But none of them die. <laughs> this is a Sayyid Muslim. Look how the Prophet's correcting this mindset. So somebody goes to you. Imagine somebody's got 10, ten kids and they've all grown up, they become Bali. And you say, inna lillahi wa inna lillahi. So he'd probably look at you and say, who's died? He goes, no, no, I'm just saying it for you. He goes, why are you saying inna lillahi wa inna lillahi to me? He goes, because you've got 10 sons. Because you've got 10 sons. And then he goes, I don't understand what you're saying. He goes, yeah, they're all Bali. And he still doesn't know what you're talking about. And he goes, none of them died young. And then he goes, you want my kids to die young? Before you start having a heart attack, the Prophet said, he is childless, who doesn't lose a child. Now think about that. He was trying to make you envious of those people. Did Rasulullah lose children? Yes, the greatest of creation. He lost Ibrahim. And that was why at the end of his life, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, why Allah is not going to deprive his most beloved creation, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So note again, all of this is related to family. And what a great honor given by Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the other thing is, I mentioned the report about the heart. Doesn't Allah Ta'ala know what's going through the heart of the father? And what does the hadith say? Allah Ta'ala says to the angels, in Tirmidhi authentic, he goes, how is my servant feeling upon losing his child? So the angels, they say, he goes, he's grieving immensely, oh my Lord. <coughs> So Allah Ta'ala says, I swear by my honor that I will give them Baytul Hamd in paradise. Baytul Hamd literally means the house of praise. So now there's a secret here. <laughs> What's the secret? Isn't every dwelling in paradise a house of praise? You're not going to approach a house in paradise and say, I've seen better. <laughs> right? Every house is a house of praise. So what is Allah Ta'ala praising there? The scholars say he's praising, he's promising the highest levels of paradise. Because only those in the lower levels will praise the dwellings of the higher levels. So Allah is saying, I promise that I will give them a Baytul Hamd. Now why is he given a house? Because he wants you to be happy for eternity. And then you get the reports about the children being looked after. Who looks after them in the barzakh? Ibrahim and Sarah. Why were they chosen to look after the deceased believing children? Why not the Prophet So the scholars point out is that Ibrahim he couldn't have children for a long time. Neither could Salah. But Allah eventually blessed them. 
But because of their patience and servitude, Allah Ta'ala has now given them trillions, well, not trillions, but billions of children to look after from all the various ummahs. So they're in good hands. The Prophet saw them because I saw them with my father Ibrahim and Salah. So they're in Barzakh enjoying themselves and then they're even making a dua. Oh my Lord, quickly bring our parents to us. So think about that. Don't you get jealous of the envious? No, because we're living in Cuckoo land. This doesn't mean you pray that your children die. That's just stupid, right? But if it happens, it happens. Alhamdulillah. From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, grace that he gives to whomever he will. So all I mentioned again today was again with regards to the parents and related matters. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? سبحان الله بحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك